daughters, sisters, and wives. They're gonna change our lives. Eat women, eat girls. They'll make a better world. Invest in Now here's your host, Catherine Gray. Welcome to this week's episode of Invest in Her. I'm your host, Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. As you know, we are all about funding women. And today we have on a special guest. She is the president of the Harvard Alumni Association and a real trailblazer herself. Not only is she a serial founder, but she's also a strategist and an investor herself. Please welcome to the show, Vanessa Liu. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. You know, looking at you, I can't believe you've been in this industry over 20 years <laughs> and the miraculous things you've done as far as building up, selling businesses, helping so many women and diverse uh, entrepreneurs get funding. And we're going to talk all about that because you are a major player in this space. And I'm super excited about your new Silver Life Fund that's going to really impact aging in place. Big, big thing you're tackling there. I'm so I'm super excited to share. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm super excited. And did I say it right? The name of the fund? Yes, you did. Silver, Silver Life. Life. It's a, okay, good, yeah. good. Great name too. Thank you. <laughs> so um, you were like the vice president of a company where you're managing, like this is a billion dollar company and you were managing uh, an accelerator program that funded and helped like 85 women uh, driven or diversity driven entrepreneurs to have successful businesses. I want to start with that because that's an yes. exciting place to start. And that was with SAP, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I got recruited by SAP in early 2018 when they were trying to put a stamp um, and make their accelerator program distinctive. And they also saw early on that the funding landscape was really lopsided for women and diverse entrepreneurs. And so I was really lucky to get recruited so that. I can actually start the accelerator in New York and eventually run what we were doing in North America. I, I think the stats are familiar to you and familiar to many of your, your listeners. You know, only a fraction of VC dollars goes towards women and people of color. And it's not because the pipeline isn't there. It's not because the business ideas are not there. It's because the access to the networks is not there. So that was what we were trying to correct. So SAP is, is the largest um, creator of business software. So back office software for any of the large companies that you think of. So it's like about, it's over $100, million, $100 billion in, in market cap. We have over like 400,000 customers. And if you could think about finding startups that are, you know, they have a product that is really solving point solutions. And if we can bring that into the SAP platform and integrate with them and go to market with them, that can provide companies that access to revenue and the access to clients. So that was what we were doing. So I 
was so lucky to run 12 programs in New York and San Francisco and worked with 87 companies, 80% of which were founded by women and people of color. So we had a mandate where at least 40% of the companies had to be fulfilling that criteria, but we actually doubled that number because we found so many great companies. And these are all in enterprise spaces. I love that. Uh, can you mention one or two that you guys helped to accelerate and fund? I'd love to know that. Yes, absolutely. So one company that I've, I've been very close to is a company called Narrative. And so Narrative without the E, they're based out of New York. The founder, her name is Lee Chen. And so she realized early on in her just like throughout the course of the work that she did before founding this company, that you can monetize these links on, on websites. Like if you if you are a publisher and like a New York Times or New York Magazine, and you're doing a roundup of say the top 10 pillowcases or sheets yeah. that you should buy, those links always go to a retailer. And so they created a way to bid on those links where retailers can bid on those links to say like, well, if you're pointing to that, particular, you know, sheet set, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond wants to be able to pay for more of that. Usually that type of bidding process only happens when you're doing Google search ads or Amazon buys up everything. Right. And so they were really democratizing the way for retailers to be able to compete against Amazon and other e-commerce juggernauts. I love and that. So, I'm going to remember yeah. that narrative without an E, because I want to recommend right. that to retailers that could use that competitive edge. I, I have yes. some in my circle. I love yes. that. Thanks for telling mm -hmm. us about it. Of course. And you were going to say, and then there's another one? Yes, there's another one that I've I've worked with. And um, so the name of the company is Gooder. So G-O-O-D-R, based out of that. Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Fantastic entrepreneur. Jasmine Crow is the founder and CEO. So she, she um, realized early on that People go hungry, but you don't need to. It's not, uh, it's actually a logistics problem. That's how she saw it. And she realized that there is surplus food everywhere, if you think about it. So if you go to um, back in the days when people used to eat at, at, their, at their offices, and if you are with a large company, at the end of the day, there's all this food that's uneaten. Right. Where does it go? It gets thrown away. Or if you go to uh, a stadium and you're doing a live event, where does the food go at the end of the day? It goes into landfills. Or a Sometimes, film shoot in Hollywood here, we would say a, a film shoot, it goes to waste. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, it goes to waste. But food, this food can be perfectly good and you can direct it elsewhere. So instead of going to landfills, her service provides for that food to be rerouted to communities in need. So companies actually pay her like a waste removal service. And then she diverts it into, and, you the know, community. that sounds like a nonprofit, but she's a socially conscious for-profit business, right? That's exactly right. So she charges the companies so that, uh, because they need to get rid of waste. So mm -hmm. just like you pay a waste removal service, they're paying gooder um, it, the revenue so that they can help them manage that. And now during the course of their pandemic, she's also gotten a lot of government contracts to distribute food uh, to communities. And so this is a real, you know, real business. It's not a nonprofit, which I love because it really marries uh, the, the social impact element with, with a big business problem. 
And, you know, I love that you brought this one up because first of all, every woman thinks they have to have a nonprofit if they're doing good. And I love this woman's business acumen that she made this a for-profit business while doing good. And Mm -hmm. I think more women tend to do that kind of business. These businesses I'm hearing about that are like helping the environment, but they're monetizing it tend to be coming Mm -hmm. from women, which uh, this is the conversation you and I are having today. This is Mm -hmm. why more women need to get funded. They have so many groundbreaking ideas that are being left on the table. If they don't get the funding, none of these things will come to light like this gooder that you're talking about. I totally agree with that. It is, there, there are so many gems of ideas and it's about being able to uncover them. And, you know, I think about Jasmine and, and she talks about her story all the time. She talks about how for her, she realized the extent of, of just like, you know, how people around her, close people around her were going hungry because of, you know, like a personal situation in their lives. And that really touched her. And it also made her like created this fire in her that, wait a second, it, it, we, we, we see people are hungry and then you see there's so much surplus. There has to be something that it, that addresses this, like that type of perspective, that's what you look for in any entrepreneur. Like that was something we always, always spoke about at SAPIO. We are not looking for entrepreneurs um, who just only are women or only because they're, they're people of color, do we fund them? They are running distinctive businesses. And also they happen to be women or people of color, but first and foremost, they are running incredible businesses. And you know what? A lot of the VCs don't get a chance to meet these types of founders because they don't have those types of networks. They're only looking for people who are like them. Right. Now, before you were doing this accelerator and helping fund these businesses through SAP, you already had very successful businesses. Just so our listeners know, you know, what is your background before you stepped into this billion dollar company that you're helping these founders? And thank goodness at that company, they had a woman like you making decisions about who was going to be in that accelerator, which then gave an opportunity for women and people of color to be in that program, because that is one of the biggest flaws in the whole system is there's not enough female decision makers at the venture capital groups. So very important that they placed you in that position. Uh, But what was your background leading up to doing that job? So I started off my career at McKinsey and Company, the management consulting firm. And it, I was not the type of person who read the business section of the newspaper when I was growing up or nor when I was in college. It was only because I started thinking about how I wanted to have impact on people's lives. And I realized that economic development could be that vehicle. And I spent nine and a half years at McKinsey, part of the media practice and working with our various media clients, like who were magazine publishers, newspaper publishers, content broadcasters, come up with their new plans for digital businesses. So this was during the first dot-com era. And I realized from there that I actually wanted to be the one that not only came up with the ideas for the businesses and started them, but I wanted to be the one that ran them. So I left McKinsey and teamed up with a business partner and we launched a venture studio. So the idea was that 
we would come up with our own ideas of businesses. And we had an investor base that trusted us. And we launched two businesses from that. So the first business is called Inside Hook. It is a, a daily lifestyle publication for men 30 to 55. It's still going strong. We sold that business. And the second business we founded is called Fivo, which is a group commerce solution. And right now it's powering the group ticketing for at least 80% of the sports teams here in the U.S. And, and I was the, the CEO of both businesses while we founded them and then through the growth phase before we found the longer term CEOs. So being in the trenches and, and seeing firsthand just how hard it is to be a founder. And that's when I had so many women and people of color actually coming to me. They thought that we would also make outside investments in our venture studio. It wasn't something that we did, but I got to meet incredible founders. And as a result of that, I just felt that I needed to have my hand where I can impact more people. And so that's where I decided to, to pivot and spend more time on the investing side and working with women and, and underrepresented minority founders. Well, you know, I don't want to go without saying that you graduated MAGA cum laude at Harvard, uh, you know, with the <laughs> psychology degree. And I can see why, you know, when you have those kind of credentials that someone would invest in you, I am so glad that you're then taking that success and making it possible for people who maybe didn't have that opportunity to uh, attend a, a university like that. But now that you're the president of the Alumni Association, I gather with the, your business acumen that you've been so great about helping uh, others uh, to accelerate, women and people of color, that you're probably rallying the troops of the Harvard alumni to get behind these founders. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. So um, it, we have over 400,000 alumni at Harvard. And if anything, you know, my big theme for my presidency is creating a, a one Harvard that is truly diverse and truly embraces people from all backgrounds where you feel like you belong. And um, we have many shared interest groups. And so alumni, they come together around a shared interest. There's this one group, for instance, that's called Harvard Alumni Entrepreneurs. And they have been doing quite a lot of work to back Harvard alumni entrepreneurs and with, with also a big focus around let's help the women founders, let's help the people um, who, who uh, are, are minority founders. And so that's something that we've been, uh, well, I, I should say we as in Harvard have been doing quite a lot of uh, work around something that like our alumni community is very proud of. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. So now your big new endeavor, it, yeah. Silver Life uh, Fund. Let's talk about what that's about, because when you and I spoke about aging in place, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, soon this will be affecting me and my colleagues. <laughs> yes. And I was wondering oh. why someone at your age was interested in that and how you were explaining to me how really the techno the software technology world has kind of ignored that sector and that's why you want to put a focus on it but at your age i was so curious why it was of interest to you and you were explaining to me that at your age you're in what you called the sandwich uh 
generation, which means you have Mm -hmm. kids and you have aging parents and you all have that to contend with. And thus you're looking for solutions to that, right? That's exactly right. So I've actually been very interested in aging for a long time. When I was in college, I was doing uh, Alzheimer's research and I also volunteered in a nursing home and I saw firsthand just how heartbreaking it is you know, just, just to see how, how lonely some residents were in that facility. And it made me think, it, 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 made, it really just woke something in me. I was just thought, I was just thinking, I never ever want to be in that type of situation, nor would I want to put my loved ones in that type of situation right. where they are alone. Right. And, and a business that we actually wanted to, to found at Trigger Media, the venture studio that I was before, was a media property focused on baby boomers. So I was already looking into it back then, Yeah, you know, but now just, and maybe it's because I've, I've always thought about where I can have the most impact and having spent the last few years helping women, helping people of color, I started realizing that ageism is, is it's almost like the most accepted form of discrimination in our society. Yeah. If you think about how in most workplaces, you can escort people and show them the door at a specific age by giving them an enticing package. And you know what's so crazy about that is I know so many people in their 80s and 90s who are smart and wise and thriving. So, you know, back to your conversation, I just had to interject that. Oh, oh, yes. Like there's actually research that, um, you know, people who who at 80, their cognitive um, their cognitive faculties are just as sharp as when they were in their twenties. Right. And, and it, um, one of my mentors uh, and advisors, um, her name is Linda Fane Levinson. She was the first woman partner elected at McKinsey. She still sits on boards. She is on the, at the top of her game and uh, she happens to be, she happens to be older, but that is what I want people to see in our society, because I feel like the the last few decades, the notion of, oh, once you get older, why don't you go retire and play golf and travel? Yeah. People don't want to do that anymore, number one. Number two, many people can't afford to do that anymore either. Right. Because right. if if you are living to in your 90s or even you know 100, which is becoming more commonplace, mm-hmm. you know, many people don't have those savings. So I feel like there's a there's a societal kind of tsunami that is going to be happening that's going to be changing the fabric of our society so that's why I feel like now is the time to address this because these changes are going to be happening in the next five to ten years in a very drastic way and I want to be a part of the solution so uh two things about your silver life fund one is boy right time right place and I'm sure just like everyone listening uh, we all want to know what are those ideas you have for people aging in place to improve. We're excited to hear about that. Um, and then also, um, like I was going to say, um, with with your operation being so unique, what you shared with me is lots of times people have really great ideas, but they don't know how to execute them. And that you've created this system where somebody has a really amazing game-changing idea, you can coordinate putting the operators with them that can help create that idea. 
and then help get funding for it. And that's what I found really fascinating about what you're doing. One of one of the things I found fascinating. Right. Now, so, so I am, there, there are so many white space opportunities when it comes to this space. And it's, it's about taking those kernel of ideas because there are so many great ideas out there and being able to take the first step and then the next step and then the next step to execute. Like execution is the toughest part. Starting is the, is the toughest part. Finding the initial capital is the, the, the hardest part and, and also finding the resources. And so that is what Silver Life is going to be doing. We are a vendor studio. We are going to be uh, coming up with diligence ideas and working with people to do so, and then backing those ideas that have legs. So here's here's an area um, I'll share that we are looking at. So one of the areas that I'm I'm personally quite excited about is is the the fact that so many people can work longer. And yeah. so what could our economy do if we can keep people in the workplace for a few years longer, especially in today's world where there is a tremendous labor shortfall. And you have all of these experienced people, like the ones that you were pointing out before, if companies can entice people to stay, isn't that better for the companies themselves and also like for, for the individuals too? One of the the first business that we are looking at is tackling that uh, situation head on. And it's so interesting to me how you would utilize like software to perpetuate that. How does mm-hmm. how does that go together? So on on the software side, it is uh, so much of this is, is about talent. How do you manage talent? How do you retain talent? But you can use technologies such as you know, AI and machine learning to help people catalog their skills much more effectively, help them find the right opportunities more effectively. That is what technology can enable, like a lot of this this searching element and the matching element. So that is what this platform is going to be providing. So more searching and then connecting them with the right fit for their skills. Uh huh. That's right. At any age. I like that. One other That's one that you had mentioned to me when I asked you about this space was you mentioned uh, a company called, uh, I think it was Join Papa. Yes. So yeah. Join Papa. So um, that is now a unicorn company. It started a few years ago. And, you know, as we know, like w- with the population aging, people have two choices in terms of where do you age? You either age at home or you age in a facility, right? Yeah. And and also just thinking about the help that you need, there is, um, you can get medical help because mm-hmm. so say that you really need a lot more care or you might just need day-to-day help around the house because you're far away from your family. So thinking about the pandemic, right, for instance, over the last couple of years and how people who were older, of course, early on, earlier on in the pandemic before the vaccines came, they were the most vulnerable. And so uh, PAPA provides a way to find non-medical companions who can help you with tasks such as, let me help you get your groceries. Let me help you with tech support. Let me just be a companion to you. And they're now being um, distributed through all of these Medicare Advantage plans. And because there, it's actually been shown that this type of help and companionship 
is a true social determinant of health that could improve your health. And so it's a very exciting company. I've just been watching them from afar. And um, I got to meet one of the founders of the company recently. And you know, they're so impact driven and, and it, it stems from how the founders wanted to help their grandfather, so their papa. And it's very warming. If you go back to the story I was saying about Gooder, right? There's, there are ways of providing social impact which are for profit. And Papa is another example of that. I love that. Uh, I love that the younger generation are thinking about the older people and creating these tech solutions for it. That That's amazing. Uh, I love what you're doing with Silver Fund, um, Silver Life Fund. Um, it's such a necessary niche. Uh, I'm sure you're going to have some unicorns come out of that with your track record. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait to see what happens. Can people invest in your fund? Um, so they can definitely, uh, yes, talk to me about, about investing. So it's a venture studio model. So it's a real, it's a, it's a different flavor of, of a fund, or they could also invest directly in the companies that we are starting. You can, Find out more about what it is that we're doing at www.silverlife.co. So that's www.silverlife.co. So not com, but .co. Right, right, .co. Okay, great. Can we follow you on social media? Yes, you can follow me on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Vanessa W L I U. Yes. So Vanessa Liu, it's L-I-U for those looking for Vanessa on LinkedIn um, and who are not seeing the video, but just uh, hearing us uh, on the podcast. So I wanted to spell that for you. And it's called Silver Life. Um, And again, it's .co. So for those interested in learning more about it, um, I think there's so many of my listeners that are interested in what's going to happen to aging in place and how technology is going to help with that. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing your expertise. Uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. And I'm going to keep following you, Vanessa, and see what amazing things you continue to do to impact the world in such a positive way. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Catherine. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. And everybody, we'll see you on social media as well. Remember to invest in her. Uh, Follow me, Catherine Gray, on uh, LinkedIn. And of course, She Angel Investors on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Make it a great day, everybody, and invest in her. Take care. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at sheangelinvestors.com. Our theme music was created and produced by Lindsay Tomasic.